the impudence, the audacity, the unmitigated gall of those knuckleheads of liberty podcasters daring to voice opinions outside the mainstream of accepted thought. Listen, if you dare, it's angry, it's funny, it's even sometimes sad, but it's always based on freedom and justice, as you will see. Here's our host, Jason McPhee. Welcome to the Knuckleheads of Liberty. We are coming at you on November 1st, 2022. We are going to talk specifically about the death penalty today and uh, a group that we have with us called Conservatives Concerned About the Death Penalty. But before we get into that, let me introduce you to our panel. In our upper left-hand corner, we have Leon, the word Brathwaite, last word in liberty. He is a retired engineer in the state of California. In our upper right-hand corner, we have our screaming eagle of freedom, Tim Everett. He is a pilot in the state of California. And on our lower left-hand corner today, we have our special guest, Demetrius Minor. He is a manager with the group Conservatives Concerned About the Death Penalty. And so that's what we want to talk about today. You know, it's funny, a lot of times you associate conservatives with sort of like pro-death penalty and, and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, as libertarians, we definitely realize that, hey, the state makes mistakes. And so that's what we want to talk about today and maybe reasons why uh, we want to be a little bit concerned about the death penalty. So, uh, Demetrius, you want to tell us a little bit about your organization and, and what it does? Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, thank you for the opportunity to come on your podcast. Looking forward to a very insightful and engaging conversation. Um, Conservatives for the Death Penalty um, started roughly um, 10 or so years ago uh, with a group of Republican lawmakers in the state of Montana who were raising awareness and concern about the use of the death penalty. And then it was formally launched at CPAC, which is the Conservative Political Action Conference, which is the largest gathering of conservatives uh, within the nation. And from there was the launching of several state chapters, Florida, Georgia, Ohio, several Tennessee, and several other states. And what, what we have seen is um, a gradual pro progression in a shift um, that is turning, a shift that is occurring um, to where conservatives were understood to be pro-death penalty, but now we're seeing that many conservatives and libertarians are being opposed to the death penalty for an array of reasons, uh, morally, fiscally, culturally, uh, whatever that reason may be, they are starting to raise concern, awareness, and opposition. And so this movement is is growing to this day. So Demetrius, uh, could you tell us a little bit more about your moral objections to, to the death penalty? Um, it seems, I know it's, it is, uh, it's constitutional. There's no doubt about that. that, that I mean, it's, I know it's a state killing someone, but it is constitutional. Tell me a little bit about the moral objection to it. So for me, I, I first came to oppose the death penalty um, maybe around 2010 or so. I was having a conversation with my pastor at that time, and um, I don't remember how the death penalty came up, but we was talking about the death penalty and being pro-life. And, you know, he made this statement. He says it's, it's hard to be pro-life and simultaneously pro-death. And I always thought I was pro-life. I mean, you know, I'm, I was adopted. Um, 
come from a, a family where my birth mother had five children. All five of us have different fathers. Um, I I know how easy it could have been for her to have chosen the alternative. And so I, I thought I knew what it meant to be pro-life. But in essence, all I was was pro-birth. And so I began to do a more reevaluation of where I stood on the issues. And I found myself to be inconsistent with the with the with my pro-life stance. I can't even tell you why I was for the death penalty. I just felt like it was a default position, something to be expected of me as being a conservative. And um, at that, and it was at that moment where, uh, morally, I I became opposed to the death penalty. I looked throughout the scripture and, um, you know, saw where, uh, you know, you know, Jesus tells us, "Hey, listen, I know you're tall, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, but that's not the way that I want you to live your life." And that, you know, scripture also says, "Vengeance is mine," says the Lord. And I felt that the death penalty allows for mankind to play the role of judge, jury, and executioner. And that is something that is way above our pay grade. And um, I I don't ever want to um, put myself in a position to where I think that uh, I can play the role of the almighty. So uh, that's how I became morally opposed to the death penalty. You know, what strikes about that uh, right off Oh, you can, can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, no, we can hear you. I can hear you good, Tim. Okay, yeah, I, uh, the first thing that strikes me is that here he's struggling with uh, inconsistencies in his philosophy. And um, so he, he he's having a struggle, and he, he goes about um, addressing that struggle and tries to be consistent to utilize... Who is he, who is he talking about? Demetrius. Oh, okay. and. and and no, the, the, well, listen, the thing about it is we talk about that we use the H word around here, Demetrius, and we try to avoid it because we use it so much. The H word stands for hypocrisy, and we're using <laughs> it in reference to how the left typically does goes, you know, one way uh, on one issue uh, and then uh, the opposite way on when it's, when it's a, a Democrat that's doing the same thing, for example. Um, so th- there's there's no search for consistency. There is no moral dilemma, whatsoever. With 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 these um, with these things we consistently watch from the left, of yeah. uh, of this this that that ends up being philosophical hypocrisy of which they care nothing about because they have the philosophy of um, of of uh, party. The, the whole, you know, allegiance to party, tribe, and and, uh, and that kind of thing. So anyway, it's refreshing. You know, it's it's just a juxtaposition. It's just a contrast, a contrast between someone with philosoph- philosophical uh, um, morals and then, I guess, the other people without. I don't know. You know, a big part of it is also being able to meet people where there are sometimes we're and i know you don't like to use the h word hypocrisy but it's kind of hard to talk politics without <laughs> without calling out how that type of behavior is exhibited on both sides of the political spectrum yeah you know many times uh if you're 
if we're having a conversation, a dialogue with someone, they may not be aware, they may not be educated on all the parameters around the subject. And so, you know, therefore they, they take a position uh, because it's, it's what's expected out of them um, with the political philosophy um, that they hold. So it, it's incumbent upon us to, to meet people where they're at and to to have that engaging dialogue to where they will uh, see a revelation of uh, why consistency matters. And when you meet people where they're at, you'll find that they'll come to their own conclusion for, for different reasons. But when it's all said and done, however they come to that conclusion, they're, they're just in... Uh, an additional voice um, to your cause. So, you know, for me, it was morally, but however, in conversations that I have with conservatives and especially with libertarians, uh, the main reason um, for opposition to the death penalty is because of distrust of the state, um, because it's uh, fiscally ineffective. And, um, you know, that that's something that I definitely resonate with. Listen, listen I, I don't trust the government to give me accurate COVID numbers. I don't trust the government to deliver my mail on time, uh, especially now that the holidays are coming. <laughs> um, I, I don't I don't trust the government to um, to effectively handle health care and just a plethora of issues. So why would I? Uh, trust the government, and I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here, but why would I trust the government with literally a matter of life and death? I, I that's just a position that I'm not quite understanding. You know, you know, um, Dimitris. I mean, um, I can see, I can see a point, and I, I, I can see your arguments, and but at a philosophical level, the issue here we are really discussing is whether it is moral or moral for to allow the state. To kill, okay, yeah, okay. That's what we're that's what we're really talking about here. But in society, we do allow this. I mean, I don't think we we even as liberty-minded people we allow police officers to take life on the street, okay. I mean, and I mean, I'm not talking about the misconduct. I'm not talking about cases of misconduct. I'm talking about where police legitimately have to. To kill someone in in the in the in the um, in the performance of their job and their and, and their duties to defend life, defend property, or defend his or her own life on the streets. So, if on the if we are saying we are against the death penalty, what do we do about police officers who have to at times use deadly force in the performance of their job? So I, I definitely believe that there should be uh, more accountability uh, amongst police officers and uh, there, there definitely should be uh, more transparency uh, within uh, police officers. And I think you're seeing an increased call for that. Uh, I, I think it's totally uh, possible uh, that you can be outraged about the outrage and um, the misconduct of police officers. I I, I don't necessarily um, see both of those as as the same. Um, 
police officers are, um, and I'm speaking generally here, yes. are, are protecting, um, defending, um, while the while the death penalty is a rendering of, of punishment, which um, calls for the reexamining of our justice system as a whole. Um, but I am totally um, for reforming um, police uh, police state um, to where there is more accountability and um, to also for us to reimagine what justice looks like so that our communities, our local communities are more involved with crime prevention, violent prevention, so that there's not a, <clears throat> such a heavy burden on um, police to begin with. Well, Demetrius, you know, you, you mentioned something, you know, you, you talked initially about getting into this because of your faith. And then, right. you, but I, I also like the fact that you discussed the idea of the libertarian perspective as well. And I mean, that's something that definitely echoes with me. Uh, you know, I started out so from a conservative family, so I sort of had some conservative views, and over time I became much more libertarian. Um, but it was because of, these issues of, of you know, just noticing all of the mistakes that the state makes constantly, and and a mistake at those levels. And yeah. and, and James, I, I wonder if you could pull up the graphic here real quick. I mean, we've seen some of the mistakes lately that the state makes in charging people with murder. I mean, uh, there was yeah. this case up in New York recently with Jose Alba. We talked about it on our show before, but everybody saw this case on video. And yet the DA was willing to throw this guy for defending himself into Rikers Island and charge him with murder. And it was only a public outcry at the end right. that got him released. And imagine if there was no video here. <laughs> I mean, this guy would still be sitting in Rikers Island, maybe up on murder charges. And I mean, uh, you know, we've, we've seen other cases as well in California Innocence and other Innocence Projects have highlighted so many cases out there where they've found people who have been falsely accused. And maybe it's just air or maybe there's politics behind some of these as well, where, you know, uh, for whatever reason, the, the person who's being charged just falls out of, just, uh, you know, um, political favor, I guess, with whatever the politics are at the time. And suddenly the state is coming down with the full weight of, of the state against these people uh, in, in carrying out huge injustices. So, yeah, I think, you know, from, you know, I, I guess for our audience, I just wanted to point that out that, my gosh, there's, you know, if, if, if you would all have any skepticism of the state to give them the power to kill somebody <laughs> and to have that certainty is just, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm certainly uh, Jason, glad you guys are addressing that. Jason, you're absolutely right. Um, here, here's, here's something that's very jarring. The death penalty is the only punishment that is irreversible. In other words, you can't be like, oops. We made a mistake. Let's undo it. You can't undo it. You can't bring back your. You can't bring back that life. There's been there's been over 150 exonerees, which means that's over 150 times that the justice system got it wrong. Mm -hmm. And for me, one time is one too many when we're talking about a matter of life and death. <clears throat> and so, seeing that the state has gotten it wrong people have been wrongly convicted, given the racial bias history of the death penalty. Uh, for, for these reasons and more, 
um, this is a practice that uh, I strongly believe uh, that we should rid ourselves of and that um, we should repeal um, the death penalty, abolish it. it it's, it's not something that um, needs to be used in modern times. The United States is one out of three industrialized nations that use the death penalty. The other two, Japan and Singapore. And so on this particular issue here, we, we're definitely behind the eight ball. Um, but again, as, as we mentioned um, um, at the beginning of this conversation, uh, we are starting to see this shift take place because it's going to be conservatives and those on the right. They're going to be vital to the um, to, to the repealing of the death penalty. And so the way I see it, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when the death penalty uh, will no longer be uh, a practice that we can utilize. Yeah, if, if I could go back on Leon's point regarding the police and self-defense, essentially the police are are just, with with uh, a, a, you know qualified immunity and a few other issues, are um, in the same boat as the average citizen, at least from a legal standpoint. Maybe it doesn't come out uh, in actuality every time, and it doesn't. But um, the police are still required to meet the parameters of of uh, taking a life in self defense or the defense of others. So, um, for example, they could, you know, someone points a gun at them or attacks, uh, rushes them with a knife in hand, you know, they're going to be like any average citizen on the same playing field as the average citizen. And, and at that point, um, able to legally and morally and in every other way defend themselves against that attack by, with deadly force as ne if necessary. Same thing as if I did it, if I was in that same situation. No different, uh, except for you know, a few exceptions that you know, I don't have time to go into. But um, the death penalty, on the other hand, there is no life at stake at this yeah. point. This is just a punishment. It is different from a self-defense shooting of any right. kind by anyone in that the um the person being executed is is not in any position to threaten anybody's life they're imprisoned or or you know or what have you prior to their sentence being carried out so um i, I don't think you can you know sorry leanne this is one time that i'm gonna have to disagree with you i don't think you can make the comparison it's not apples to apples it's apples to oranges I understand. I understand what you're saying, Tim. But your argument is an eminent danger argument, which you know I I I, I can yeah. understand. But sure, yeah. If I'm, if you let the guy out, he's going to go kill again, and you're saving the future victims from this guy that's right now incapable of doing anything. But as soon as you let him out, or if you know, which brings back the other alternative: if you're not going to kill the guy. And then you've got to keep him in prison because he's never, you know, let's, let's say he's the worst of the worst. He's a serial killer. He's a psychopath. And he's never, ever going to fit into society. He'll always want to murder again and again and again until he dies. That's a very rare situation, fortunately. Maybe not rare enough, but it is the only one that you could 
justify killing the guy. And then you have to do it with with the thing in the back of your mind saying, well, we're going to let him out. We're, we're going to we have to we have to let him out at one point or another is what you're saying to yourself. Whether or not that's true is, you know, or he can escape. You know, we, we don't want to, you know, we, you know, you see what I'm saying? No. Well, you know, I, I can understand what you're saying in the in the area of perfect knowledge. Like, for instance, as a, as a libertarian, I'm not coming at this necessarily from the religious perspective on this. I'm coming at it from the idea that the state makes mistakes and, and the idea yeah. that that most likely I'm going to be taking some guy's word for it, what this guy did, right? I'm not going to have right. actually seen every piece of evidence myself. I'm not going yeah. to have witnessed it all myself. You, you, it's won't, you be, wouldn't have been there. You're, exactly. Been it's it's going right. to be just this collection of different disparate pieces of evidence that are all coming together to say this guy is a horrible person. But we know that the state makes all kinds of mistakes in these areas. And I w would you really want to trust them to get it right? You know, that's, that's what I'm yeah. coming at. And, and the, the, the Albers, the guy in New York, um, you know, okay, well, I'll give you a different scenario. I defend myself against a home invasion with an AR 15 in San Diego, California. Well, guess what folks, I'm going to be on the wit. I'm going to be on trial. Okay. For certain mainly because not because i killed somebody but because i killed him with an ar-15 okay that marks me in california as a no good son of a gun <laughs> literally son of a and gun so, yeah. no, no pun intended right yeah. no pun intended and <laughs> yes and, and uh and i am on the chopping block and the justice system is broken in the united states of america and is politicized up the yin yang so I'm in trouble. Okay. And, and that's, and, and, you know, if, if you have on the table, the death penalty, you know, this 70 year old guy with the AR 15, me would, would potentially be offed by the, by the uh, state of California, California, because I have an AR 15 and that's just a no go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, certainly that that's the, that's the politics that we're talking about, Tim, with, the, you know, uh, all these different cases that we we've seen yeah. lately where, oh. you know, it, it's it's yeah. all political it's... prosecution in a lot of cases. Correct. So, yeah, and, but, yeah. But that's, and, that's just beyond so, mistakes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and by the way, I do not have an AR-15, just to let everyone know. But if I did. <laughs> well, Demetrius, the secret is safe with us. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. We all know that I'm a shotgun guy, so okay. there, there you go. Well, Demetrius, a question I wanted to ask you is, as you've shifted your view on this and you're conservative and you've shifted your view toward uh, being against the death penalty, have you seen that that's also made you shift other conservative views toward more liberty kind of oriented views? Or, or is it just sort of in this one area with, uh, with the death penalty? You know, the, the older... Uh, the older I get, um, the more reflective I get. I mean, I'm three years shy of, of turning 40. And um, I've come to this position. Um, it's policy that's going to change people's lives for the better, not politics. So I'm in the business of promoting policy that's going to uh, help us become a more safer nation a more educated nation and and also a more civil nation 
So I'm not in the game or in the business of uh, promoting politics or parties. Um, and so um, I, I hope that answers your question. Um, I, I'm always, um, my faith is the forefront of my life. So my faith um, is the definitive factor of who I am. Uh, but as an American citizen, you know, I definitely want to be in a free and prosperous and thriving um, society. And so I'm, I'm of the thought process that a government that is small and limited is going to be the best contributor to that. And in this uh, day and age that you and I live in, where politics is more partisan and more tribal um, than it's ever had ever been before, I'm finding that those who are really for true liberty and freedom and not for populism or following a cult of personality, <laughs> we're actually in the minority. <laughs> and um, I, but I do find it to be the most rewarding and the most fulfilling work um, that one can be engaged in. Because again, I do believe that it is, it has the most direct impact on people, families, and communities. And so I'm in the policy business, not in the politics business. And um, and because of that, I'm, I'm always asking myself questions and making sure, again, that I'm consistent with my philosophical um, stances. So you don't, you don't, your organization don't align itself with any, any political party, even though your song, I mean, it sounds like it's on the right, just its name, conservative, does mm -hmm. not, you do not you do not align yourself with either of the political parties. Correct. Okay. We're, we're not an extension of the Republican Party. Got you. Okay. Fair well, enough. Fair in, enough. in discussing policy, uh, and we're getting near the end of the show, so I was just curious, what are some of the successes your organization has had? Maybe you could tell us about that. And if if uh, you wanted to leave us with any final thoughts too about uh, your organization and and what your guys' mission is. Absolutely. Well, some of the successes uh, recently was seeing the death penalty being repealed in the state of Virginia. And uh, we're very close to seeing it also happening in the state of Ohio and um, Utah. We just launched a state chapter in uh, the deep red state of Oklahoma. Um, we were pretty optimistic that at the very least we can see a moratorium placed on the death penalty in the very near future. Um, I, I would encourage people to follow our journey and to stay up to date with us uh, on what we're doing, what we're offering, and some of the things that we're involved in. You can find us at conservativesconcern.org. Go ahead and click on that sign up button, enter your name and your email, your zip code, and very brief information so that uh, you can be subscribed to our email list so that you're privy uh, to the updates that, that we give. Uh, of, of the things that we're involved in. Well, awesome. You can also find us on social media, Twitter, CCATDP, uh, and then we have a conservatives concerned about the death penalty Facebook page as well. Awesome. Well, thanks so much uh, today for joining us, Demetrius, and uh, sort of enlightening people on your journey and, and your group's mission uh, about sort of you know, bringing a little skepticism and, and uh, you know, about some of these uh, heavy handed state policies and, and you yeah. know, essentially ear, uh, I guess, uh, 
policies where there's there's no walking it back <laughs> if you get right. it wrong so right. so thanks so much and uh you know like i said uh you can check out demetrius's group where he uh, told you and uh you can uh, check us out in future shows as well uh, thanks so much for joining us today and until next time stay free yes indeed thank you everyone life liberty and the pursuit of happiness always and forever Thank you for listening to the Knuckleheads of Liberty podcast. Find us on Facebook, Rumble, YouTube, your favorite podcast network, and at knuckleheadsofliberty.com.